The views expressed are those of Brian Bailey and do not necessarily reflect those of the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta or the Federal Reserve System. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for joining us on one of the 44 radio stations around the country on iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we have an awesome show for you. We're going to have the Fed's view on commercial real estate. Part of the reason it's going to be awesome is our awesome guest. It's Brian Bailey. He is the Senior Financial Policy Analyst and covers real estate for the Fed. He's here in Studio One with us. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be back. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we've had you on the show before. It's very informative. And uh, we really appreciate you being here and, and looking forward to it. And we're going to get into some heavy commercial real estate, some interesting commercial real estate. But before we do that, just briefly, what is the, the Fed's mission? Absolutely. And, and the Fed's mission has several tiers to it. But, you, you know, one, as the audience is aware of, is kind of the dual mandate. So we have um, price stability. We also have full employment. And certainly, you know, the uh, uh, key tool in that chest of tools is interest rates and, se- and setting those rates. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there are other things that we have, um, for instance, bank regulation uh, mm-hmm. and regulation of, uh, you know, systematically, systemically important financial institutions. So spending a lot of time these days ensuring the safety and soundness of the financial system. And then, uh, you know, uh, one other thing that we have is we run the intrabank payment system. Mm-hmm. So have a lot going on. Yeah, you certainly do. And you cover commercial real estate. And so tell us what you do for the Fed. I'm the subject matter expert in commercial real estate for mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. However, there are not a lot of folks like me with my skill set in the system. Mm-hmm. And so I'm allowed to engage in commercial real estate issues across the nation to support our examiners as we are looking at commercial real estate loans in the banks to ensure the safety and soundness uh, of the financial system, to ensure that the banks have complied with the regulation. So it it allows me a unique insight into the workings of commercial real estate uh, as as we work through the banks and look at that. The other thing that uh, I've been allowed to do is to spend a a, a lot of time out speaking about uh, my thoughts on commercial real estate and and so forth like that. Okay. Well, good. So if Obama wants to invest in commercial real estate, he can just call you, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's very kind. I I don't think I'll be getting that call, but he's very kind. And one of the things that might surprise people about the Fed, right, is is the the money flow, the cost, right? Who pays for it? Well, yes. I mean, so uh, we're allowed by by an act of Congress to charge the banks Mm -hmm. for the services that we render. Mm -hmm. And we turn a profit from that and we turn it over to the U.S. Treasury. Mm -hmm. So we are, uh, you know, a a self-supporting unit. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> That's what we need from the government, I think, right? I think we only turned over, you know, roughly $90 billion, uh, over the last year or so, give or take. So, very good. Yes. Thank you. A little Thank profit. You. Thank you. I need that. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk to us about the scope of commercial real estate in the economy. I think some people don't really realize how much employment and construction and, and the huge impact on, on the economy that commercial real estate has, right? It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2014, 
just over a trillion dollars was spent mm-hmm. on real estate related projects, whether that would be residential home construction, commercial real estate construction, renovation. So a, so a very large number accounts for roughly 6% of gross domestic product. Compare that to 2006, we spent, you know, the nation on average, uh, our overall spent about 1.2 trillion, and at that point, it was about 9% of GDP. So, real estate is a is a significant component of the nation's overall economy. The Fed is very interested because banks have between 1.5 and 1.6 trillion dollars on their balance sheets right now of commercial real estate loans. So, certainly a very, very, you know, vast number. Great news is that we're seeing a significant improvement in lending. So you take the kind of the stabilized properties, so owner-occupied, other-occupied property, which would, which would be kind of lease space, and then multifamily. And the balances at banks for those three segments have hit all-time highs over the last eight years. So certainly we are seeing banks returning to the lending space going, you know, looking at the other loans, the construction development loans, which are the more risky loans, and and certainly, you know, an an area that the banks were badly burned during the downturn. Mm -hmm. However, in the last year, we're beginning to see noticeable growth in those areas. And so I think it is a sign that the the nation's you know economy is beginning to hit on one of the last cylinders that wasn't hitting, and that is uh, uh, real estate construction. Okay. And does the Fed have a recommendation to the banks about how much commercial real estate loans they should have in their books? Yes. I mean, we have several they're called SR letters, supervision regulation letters, which give guidance. Um, you know, it's basically 100% of capital, not not greater than 100% of capital on the more risky loans, mm-hmm. and then it's not greater than 300% capital on the on the commercial real estate uh, loans. But certainly, there are other pieces. I mean, we have uh, guidance on uh, stress testing. We have guidance on appraisals. Um, you know, so so. There's a lot. There's lots of regulation to look at. Right. So there's a comfort level now with the level of commercial real estate loans that uh, the banks have. A, a, a comfort that they are getting back to business and getting yeah. back to lending. Um, and you know they're spending more time doing their homework, doing due diligence, which I think is certainly, you know, a, 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 a wonderful thing. You know, when the when the time is right, when the economic situation is right, certainly you know like to see those loans made, but certainly want to do it, see it done the done the right way. Yeah, well, that's a good point, and it's interesting to see how much banks have learned about commercial real estate in this past downturn, right? I mean, they went from but to be nice to them, not knowing a lot about commercial real estate, to having to learn a lot about real estate, and it should help them with the underwriting and decisions moving forward, shouldn't it? I'm ex- I'm excited yeah. about the progress that banks have made mm-hmm. in the commercial real estate realm. I mean, you know, having seen it, you know, for the last four or five years that I've been at the Fed, mm-hmm. you know, it really has changed um, throughout, uh, you know, a number of the kind of the gradients of the banks. You've seen the large banks um, improve their skill sets in commercial real estate. You've seen mm-hmm. the regionals, even down to the community banks. And so I'm, I'm you know, still a ways to go. Still, there's still areas of improvement. But I think that there has been a lot of progress made uh, in the area of commercial real estate knowledge for, for, 
financial institutions. Yeah, and it certainly helps the overall economy too to see banks be able to to provide financing for the for the tenants and for the investors and and for the companies that are expanding and, and need real estate. And one of the things that some borrowers are suggesting is the banks are still a little too stringent on their underwriting. We've had some people in our audience say comment that maybe underwriting is getting a little loose. You know, what do you guys think? Well, I, I think you know certainly you have to look at the context. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of those comments are made around the CMBS market, mm-hmm. which has certainly been you know it was an area in 2007 and mm-hmm. 2008, 2009, you know where where we saw um, you know significant losses, mm-hmm. and so certainly is is an area that I kind of continue to watch. Um, certainly, I think it's kind of finding a balance right now. We've come out of, of you know, a, a, a deep economic trough. We're seeing robust growth. And so certainly, I think banks have got to kind of, you know, figure out, you know, what's the right uh, underwriting criteria for, you know, the, the time. Um, but certainly, you have to keep in mind, and we're asking them to keep in mind with some of the regulations based around stress testing. You know, certainly we have to be mindful of what we just came through, and you know we have to do lending, you know, the right way. Yeah, and part of the underwriting I think that's really tough is on these construction loans, right? And you, and you mentioned that banks are and other lenders are looking more at construction loans. Where are construction levels? It seems like the low level construction has really helped the fundamentals of the industry, hasn't it? And and I think it will help the industry yeah. for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, probably my my one exception would be multifamily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh, you know nationwide. Uh, on average for office space, we were delivering about 1.4% of the existing inventory per year over the last 15 years. In 2014, which is our latest snapshot of it, uh, the number was half of that. Mm -hmm. So we were delivering about 0.7% of the existing inventory in 2014. So certainly, you know, a significant difference from where we were uh, uh, over the last 15 years. It's the same dynamic for industrial. Uh, though the difference is about 20% below long-term averages. Retail, it's much severe. It's much more severe. It's about 68% or so below the long-term average. So certainly, uh, you know, we have a fair ways to go, I think, over the next few years. Yeah, good point. Well said. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more from Brian Bailey with the Fed's view on commercial real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Our topic today, the Fed's view on commercial real estate. We have Brian Bailey here with us in Studio One. He's the Fed's analyst for commercial real estate. And, and Brian, we were talking about construction before the break. And I think a lot of the listeners are kind of curious and, and people have varying dependent, uh, opinions on where we are now in the commercial real estate market. We've had a, a nice run up and it seems like things are very positive. You know, where are we? 
And it's a question a lot of people are, are asking. So thank you for, mm-hmm. for the opportunity to address the topic. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and first of all, I've got to qualify uh, my remarks with, you know, real estate is a very broad subject. Right. And so very sector specific. And so I'll talk kind of nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and certainly it's positive news that we've created, you know, 250,000 jobs on average a month mm-hmm. over the last year. Um, the last month we created roughly 280,000 jobs. So certainly, you know, there is a need for, uh, uh, you know, office and industrial and, and retail space. Mm-hmm. And so we see that translating into the decline in vacancy rates across the nation. Again, some markets are stronger than others. Certainly some product types, you know, barely felt the downturn, for instance, luxury mm-hmm. uh, retailers, you know, never felt it. Um, but, but certainly, you know, we're seeing that improvement across the board right now, pretty much as far as an improvement uh, in vacancy rates. Correspondingly, you're seeing uh, rental rates, you know, begin to see some upward pressure, mm-hmm. um, more so in industrial than office and and retail, um, but but seeing it but seeing it in office as well. I think retail is kind of the laggard right now generally, and I, and I think my view is we we've got a lot we have a lot of retail space, and there probably is some surplus space. But certainly, you know, we're seeing the implications of changing uses of real in real estate. Um, for instance, you know, we're seeing uh, you know landlords uh, or, or pardon me, we're seeing employers put more people in the same square footage. Mm-hmm. And certainly that changes the dynamic of the next construction cycle. But certainly I think fundamentals, we're, real, we're seeing an improvement. And because there's low supply right now um, in, in the pipeline, I think that you know, my expectation is that this will continue for the next two or three years, assuming that we continue to see you know, the baseline economic growth that we're seeing today. I think, you know, kind of switching gears and talking about capital, uh, there's a lot of questions right now about, you know, what's the right amount of capital in the system? Mm-hmm. Certainly you see influence from, from foreign buyers right now, mm-hmm. and foreign buyers, uh, you know, purchased about $50 billion last year mm-hmm. in commercial real estate, and that's a conservative number. Mm-hmm. It could be north of that easily. Um, but that represents an all-time high, uh, according to Real Capital Analytics, over the last uh, 12 or 15 years. So mm-hmm. certainly the implications of, you know, foreign money coming in, um, you, you know, is having an impact in the gateway cities, is having an impact in areas, in certain areas. And we're, and we're watching that because you're seeing some pretty robust growth um, in value of certain assets. But I think at the same point, you know, it's, it's an early indicator that we will continue to kind of see that money um, move into the U.S. And, and, the, and the reason I say that, you know, if, if you're seeing cap rates of, you know, 3% uh, on multifamily projects in the Northeast, and, and, and we're seeing them in, in the West Coast as well, and certainly I think at some point, you know, those folks get fee, or, you know, get some kind of price uh, fatigue. And then, you know, you look at markets like Atlanta or St. Louis or Dallas and you say, well, I can go buy the same asset for a five and a half or a six cap. And, and, and so, you know, it looks attractive. And so I think that we'll begin to kind of and we are seeing some of the early stages of that dynamic taking place. So talking about the banks, the banks are returning to lending. And, and so certainly that is, you know, uh, making the availability of capital greater. So we've got foreign capital coming in, we've got the banks, 
uh, lending. CMBS is coming back and, and continuing to increase the breadth of, of the marketplace there. And and certainly you have uh, you know some of the some of the lenders, uh, other lenders, I guess for lack of better words, you know the life insurance companies and some of the hedge funds, and they certainly are are making robust amounts of loans as well. So there is certainly a, a, a significant amount of capital right now in the marketplace. You know, what does that mean? Uh, you know, cap rates, we've seen cap rates come down um, over the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Certainly as the interest rate climate, you know, begins to look like we're changing that and moving it upward. Um, certainly you wonder, you know, what does that do for cap rates over time? But some of the information that we've pulled recently, uh, it's my belief that the the marketplace, you know, has factored some of that mm-hmm. in already, um, reason being. So if we go back and look at 2007 and we look at the difference between the yield on the 10-year Treasury, which is essentially the risk-free rate, and cap rates, cap rates were about 100 or 150 basis points above the 10-year Treasury yield. Today, that that number ranges from 400 to 600 basis points and change. And so I think that if you were to begin to kind of see a movement upward, and and we are seeing a little bit of movement upward in the last uh, couple of months on the 10-year Treasury, I I think it has negligible impact on uh, cap rates in the short term. Yeah. And let me ask you a little bit more about uh, your mentioned foreign capital and you know, those gateway markets where the cap rates are compressing. So for our friends in some of the secondary cities and tertiary markets around the country, they may start to see a little more benefit from that foreign capital there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I think that a lot of it's driven by um, where the buyer is coming from. Mm-hmm. For instance, you take uh, Canada, which is mm-hmm. uh, historically, um, you know, in the top three purchasers of U.S. real estate, and they're very comfortable um, operating in the gateway cities, the secondary, and the tertiary markets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is they have a familiarity with how the U.S. market works. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you look at, at uh, you know, money that's arguably kind of new to the system. For instance, mm-hmm. you look at, look at China right now. Mm-hmm. And they um, are very comfortable in operating in the gateway markets and the assets there fit their purchasing and acquisition parameters. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing a lot of money from China go into those markets. However, we're beginning to hear anecdotally that some of that move, money is moving out of those markets and into secondary and tertiary markets. So I think it's a good, uh, you know, good sign that that you know the market is operating efficiently. Yeah, and you mentioned cap rates uh, being compressed and 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 interest rates maybe ticking up and what might happen with future cap rates. So what would you tell uh, a listener who's maybe buying an investment property and they're looking at their exit strategy five years from now? I, mean, I don't know when we to see what that cap rate should be. I know when we were selling properties in 06 and 07, we kind of struggled with that. You know, it was like, you know, what do we tell us? We know cap rates are going to be higher. Right. And, 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 you know, I left my crystal ball at home. (laughs) And so, you know, I I can't say, for instance, you know, an an exact number, but I do think that if you, if you take a kind of stress testing approach Mm -hmm. and a sensitivity analysis Mm -hmm. and look at, and, and look at cap rates, um, 
and, and, and you know, kind of say, okay, you know, you know, what does this scenario look like? Is it 50 basis points, 100 basis points, 150 basis points? You know, I, I would really, it would be a stretch for me right now to see any scenario above that based on the marketplace and how they've widened out the premiums mm-hmm. right now. I mean, back to what I, you know, talking about the, you know, this, the difference between uh, the 10-year Treasury yield in 2007 and cap rates. I mean, arguably, you know, things we, we probably were mispricing, the market was probably mispricing risk then. And so at its smallest place, it was 100 to 150 basis points. Today, it's 400 to 600 basis points. So I think that, you know, it'd be hard to kind of see a scenario where cap rates moved significantly yeah. in five years. Yeah, that sounds good. And you also have the increase in fundamentals helping you anyway. Stay tuned. More on the Fed's view on commercial real estate. What would the perfect commercial real estate tool offer? Powerful CRM to manage prospect and property information, match buyers, sellers, tenants, and spaces, and efficiently manage transactions and reporting. Easy to create proposals, offering memorandums, websites, and collateral, all without redundant data entry. Comprehensive investment and comparative lease analysis, providing vast public or discrete private exposure of your offerings. RealNext. It's what's next in CRE technology. Visit realnext.com. R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. We have Brian Bailey here from the Fed in Studio One in Atlanta. And Brian, we're talking about the impact of of, uh, economic impact and real estate impact from foreign investors investing in the U.S. And some of that's been through the EB-5 program. Where are we on the EB-5 program? How much of an impact is that on foreign investment in CRE? And a great question, and certainly some of that legislation is up in front of uh, uh, the legislative bodies this year, and and, and so certainly, um, you know, significant changes could have notable impacts to commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. If you look at the EB-5 program last year, um, 85% of the visas, uh, and let me back up and just define the EB-5 program. So it's a, it's a, it's a basically a program where you can get, uh, you know, an accelerated, um, uh, spot as far as getting a visa if you're willing to invest uh, between half a million and a million dollars in the U.S. that creates a certain number of jobs and there's there are a number of other criteria that it has to meet um, and there's certainly there's a number of visas there's a certain number of visas that are that uh, um, the U.S. is allowed to grant every year um, last year 85 percent of those visas went to uh, folks someone from China Chinese national mm-hmm. and and so certainly you know we see you know significant influence in that money and its impact on commercial real estate in the gateway markets and so certainly if there was a notable change um, you know it, it could have a, a, an impact uh, on commercial real estate and the same thing with the the 1031 legislation right now yeah well, gee, I might have to eat my grits with chopsticks then, you know. <laughs> That's going to happen. What about the 1031 exchange? It seems like the 1031 exchange process, the tax-deferred exchange, has been great for commercial real estate, economy, for jobs. You know, there's some talk about, you know, cutting that back. You know, what kind of impact might something like that have? 
Well, that market has been, in, in my view, that market has been red hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and certainly any change could, you know, pull back, you know, pull that market back. And, and, and so certainly, um, you know, something to watch. I, I don't have the exact information mm-hmm. on what the implications would mm-hmm. be. But if, if there were a pullback, certainly it would have ramifications for construction jobs uh, and, and the availability of capital in some of that area. Yes. Well, can you tell them from me when you talk to them that they need to leave it alone? <laughs> <laughs> we need it. You know, you talk about how much uh, business is, and, and money has moved, you know, when a, when a transaction happens and the jobs and the construction jobs and the, and the attorneys involved and the, all the vendors involved. It, it would be a significant impact on the economy, I think. And, and another question I think our audience has is uh, Fannie and Freddie. You know, what's happening there and how much of an impact is that on CRE? In my view right now is, is generally Fannie and Freddie are kind of in a holding pattern, mm-hmm. um, you know, waiting to kind of see, uh, you know, how the next election cycle plays out. But, you know, their um, role in the marketplace, they certainly have a significant role in the marketplace. And so um, hopefully if there are changes that are coming, you know, those changes are, are well thought out and well articulated to the marketplace because, uh, you know, Fannie and Freddie, I don't have the exact figures, uh, represent a significant piece of both the single family financing market as well as the multifamily financing market. And so any any change there has, you know, significant implications for construction jobs associated with both of those, uh, those types of property, which are key drivers for uh, gross domestic product. Right. And you're talking about residential development in the home market. I mean, that market has been uh, doing well, hasn't it, in most parts of the U.S., and that's helping our economy and and commercial real estate, right? It's it's picking up. It's picking up. Um, I think during 2011, we uh, hit a bottom of about 430,000 starts. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we've bounced upwards, and we're, we're now between six and 700,000 starts a year. So certainly, you know, we're picking back up, but compared to the 20 year average, which was over a million starts, we've got a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. And so uh, certainly, you know, like to see it, you know, we're headed in the right direction, the trend's headed in the right direction, but, but we've got a, got a ways to go to get back to kind of the 20 year average. Right. And you talked about job growth earlier, and we're short on the break, but um, what, what do you foresee for job growth and its impact, say, on the office market? And, and you know, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta mm-hmm. and the Board of Governors in D.C. certainly issue um, projections mm-hmm. um, as far as job growth is concerned. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I'm kind of in the same camp as a number of folks that believe that job growth kind of gets more robust uh, later in the year. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen a little bit of, of doldrums and seasonality um, in the first part of the year, and there are mm-hmm. questions about, you know, some of the seasonality implications on the numbers. But certainly, I think uh, uh, going into the latter part of the year, you know, we're going to see some pickup in job growth. And anecdotally, I hear about job growth picking up. Mm-hmm. So certainly, uh, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, and that's good to hear. And uh we needed a certainly a boost to especially for the office market. Well stay tuned, we'll have more on the Fed's view of commercial real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. 
Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Hey, we have some great shows coming up for you, so be sure to not miss a show of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. We have a great show for you today. It's the Fed's View on commercial real estate. We have Brian Bailey here with us from the Fed in Studio One. And and Brian, there's always people who are concerned about the downturn and the headwinds and the problems and when they're coming and that sort of thing. What are some of the challenges for, uh, or you, I know you like to call them headwinds, right? right. Uh, headwinds for CRE moving forward. You know, it all rolls around one, it all revolves around one word, uncertainty. And, you know, what's the uncertainty? Is Mm -hmm. it fundamental driven? Are we building too much? Mm -hmm. As in the case of, you know, people asking the question, apartments right now, Mm -hmm. is it regulatory uncertainty, which then, you know, oh, oh, that's going to put a burden on the banks and it's going to slow lending. Mm-hmm. So, so certainly, you know, people are concerned about uncertainty right now. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a, a few topics that um, are, are being repeated in the conversations that I'm having with the community. Um, one is foreign capital right now. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's some questions in the community about is there too much of it? Mm-hmm. Certainly we continue to monitor that, monitor that actively. Mm-hmm. Um, regulation is certainly a, another, uh, you know, another topic. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've come out of the downturn and the, and the legislation that came out of that accomplished exactly what it needed to do in shoring up the safety and soundness of the financial system. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly now that, now that, now that, uh, uh, conditions have changed, Certainly, there will be, you know, kind of a look back at some of that legislation to fine tune it. Um, And certainly there's some uncertainty about, you know, what does that look like? I think, uh, uh, you know, third, um, you know, which is which is kind of an interesting question is, is, you know, lending right now. Mm -hmm. Is it is, you know, is the CMBS market? I mean, there's some talk uh, right now that, that, you know, some of the underwriting standards are deteriorating mm-hmm. and, you know, again, it's the uncertainty. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, and we know that that's, there's some overlap yeah. to the banking industry yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that, you know, there is, uns- you know, some uncertainty and the market, as we all know, does not work, it does not react well to, to uncertainty. Right. And so I think that, you know, looking at that, and, and, and trying to understand, you know, what does that look like and, and reduce the uncertainty is certainly, um, you know, something that, you know, we've heightened our surveillance of the marketplace, um, you know, to make sure that, that, you know, we're fully abreast of what's going on. Yeah. And of course, one of the questions on everyone's mind is uh, interest rate hikes and, you know, when and how much, right? I knew I couldn't get through a conversation <laughs> without that topic coming no, I, up. I had my fingers crossed, yeah, but yeah. you know, and, and, it, and it certainly is an interesting question, and, and certainly the uncertainty around that is causing the market to to ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. about you know what does that look like. Now, I'm not a member of the FOMC, the Federal Open Market mm-hmm. Committee, and and so you know, really, 
you know, my views are based upon um, a lot of what I read in the press. Uh, and, and you can see, you know, a number of participants on the committee speaking in public about their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think, you know, a, a, a general characteristic of those conversations is, you know, the great news for the U.S. economy is we see uh, employment continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's very good news. Um, you know, the, the decision um, is going to be well articulated. It's going to be data driven. And so I think that those are very, you know, very, uh, good aspects for the marketplace to kind of factor into, uh, you know, the the decision. You know that that um, I can't speak for certain, but it looks like a, you know a number of participants are are kind of saying that you know the sweet spot maybe you know later this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard the same thing. Maybe in September, maybe we go up. You know quarter of a point or something but uh, you know one of the things I think in commercial real estate we, we're, we're really tuned in to, to interest rates but one thing we've got to keep in mind right is that an increase in interest rates means the economy's doing better too the companies are doing better they're going to expand we're going to need more commercial real estate right you bet, you yeah. bet. and that's and that's certainly you know we're seeing the the pickup in um, office using employment. Mm-hmm. We're seeing pickup in construction jobs, mm-hmm. um, and and so certainly I think that you know and, and the gross you know the GDP numbers weren't you know great this morning that were released, mm-hmm. but you know I think we all kind of figured that you know the the uh, first quarter numbers would be you know kind of kind of tough with all the seasonality and weather issues. So I think that you know if we continue to look toward the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, that the that the expectations of of in increasing and accelerating and growth will occur. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, we'll continue to have these conversations toward the end of the year. And as far as that, the impact of interest rates on cap rates, uh, I guess you said earlier that uh, you think maybe commercial real estate practitioners have kind of taken that uh, in consideration and then maybe the also the increase in just fundamental, right? That if, we, if the economy's doing better, we're probably going to have some, some more in, rent increases, hopefully, and occupancy improvements. And right. And I think, I think you know, the, a, a lot of the driver right now for cap rates, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly you have, um, you know, the 10-year treasury and, and the implications for interest rates, but mm-hmm. also really it, it's uh, part of the supply and demand equation as far as you have a vast wave of capital mm-hmm. continuing to, you know, look for and have a big appetite for purchasing commercial real estate. And so you have, you know, this this kind of uh, maybe upward uh, influence um, if interest rates, you know, do move upward at some point later this year. I do think the market has factored that in to cap rates. But at the same point, you have, you know, a, a significant amount of capital that is looking to be deployed in a safe environment. And one of those safe environments is U.S. commercial real estate. And so I think that, that you know, you see that, that implication as, as kind of a downward push on cap rates over the short term. Yeah. And commercial real estate is a hard asset. <laughs> It's never going to go down to nothing, right? That's for sure. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more of the Fed's view on commercial real estate. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit commercialrealestateshow.com or call 888 888- 612 show.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Our show today, the Fed's view on commercial real estate. We have Brian Bailey from the Fed with us here in Studio One in Atlanta. And Brian, I think one of the sectors that uh, maybe has been the last to improve, and and some people are a, a little bit uh, concerned about, is is retail. You know, with on online sales continuing to increase. Uh, some people are seeing retail centers, especially uh, out suburban, ex-suburban ones, maybe still sitting empty. But but some are doing extremely well, right? What do you guys think about retail real estate, and, and what what do the banks think? It's I think that uh, you know retail real estate probably is the most susceptible right now mm-hmm. to the you know changing consumer preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, uh, you know traditional bricks and mortar retailing sales are growing at two two to four percent. Um, but the e-commerce retailers, their sales are growing uh, uh, 12 to 14% a year. So mm-hmm. certainly it's not a very big piece of the market. I would say it's probably 6 to 8% of the overall kind of retail market. But at the same point, you know, it's growing, you know, significantly right now. And I think that that does have, you know, real ramifications for retail real estate. And we see it, um, you know, in, in, in some of the retailers that have gone bankrupt, you know, or, or you know, they're, they're trying to change their strategy. Um, and I think a lot of that is driven by, you know, how close to a commodity it is. Um, for instance, you know, you've seen the uh, retailers of books have significant tough time, you know, significant challenges, as, as well as um, retailers in the electronics realm. And so I think that, you know, commodity-based retailers, you know, are having a struggle. Again, you know, retail is a very broad, you know, topic. And, you know, just deep discounters, I think, have done pretty well through the downturn and, and coming out of the downturn. And I think, uh, you know, uh, retailers in the luxury realm have done very well. There's some pockets uh, locationally that have done well, but certainly we see you know fair amount of retail that that's that's struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know it is a it is a question in my mind. You know you know what does that look like? And and you know the e-commerce uh, uh, growth is certainly having an impact. You look at um, you know all the news around drones right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, two months ago, I believe Amazon got a conditional permit to try to fly drones outside, you know, outside, outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you probably saw the publicity stunt with mm-hmm. Domino's Pizza where they were delivering uh, pizzas by helicopters in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had some enterprising uh, individuals here where I think we had a, an outfit in Wisconsin, you know, delivering beer to the ice fishermen. And, and, you know, obviously they didn't have an FAA permit. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think they had some challenges there. But but we see you know some of the cusp I think of innovation in that arena and how does that have implications for retail? Also, you look at Uber. I mean, Uber is now piloting a a home delivery type uh, service in the Northeast for groceries, mm-hmm. um, and there's talk about some other things. So I think think you know consumer spending you know can change fairly easily. I mean, you can make the decision, I'm going to drive to the store today, or I'm going to, you know, purchase it online. And if you do, you know, next day delivery, you'll have it tomorrow or, or, or some something very quickly. And so I think that, you know, the consumer is changing their, impl- their dynamics of how they purchase space. I, on the other hand, from a supply standpoint, 
the U.S. has um, uh, arguably the highest per capita uh, square footage number of any nation across the uh, uh, any any nation across the world. Um, we are double uh, what Canada has. Uh, I think the U.S. has about uh, 25 square feet per person. Um, and Canada, it's like 12. Yeah. And then you go to Western Europe, and it's five feet per person. Yeah. Well, retail certainly has some opportunities out there, too. It's kind of a risk-reward thing. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. Right, be sure and join us next week. We have Reese on Real Estate with Ryan Severino. It will be a great show. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show.